Open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2. Now, as you're opening your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2, there is uh, the first word in that chapter is therefore. Uh, So whenever we come up to the word therefore in a text of the scriptures, we always ask ourselves what? What's it there for? And so uh, why is it there? So let me give you a little bit of a reason why it's there. Well, the therefore uh, sets the, the context before it is chapter 2. And uh, earlier than verse 24, <laughs> duh, um, it's 602 about B.C. Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. Uh, Babylon is the conquering uh, uh, kingdom at the time in the world, and Nebuchadnezzar has been having these soul-haunting dreams. I think it was a single dream reoccurring over and over and over again for him, and it was haunting him, and it was a dream that could have looked and likely looked something like this. And you have that dream again and again and again and again. And you're wondering, what is this about? So what do you do? Well, like a good king would and a smart king would, he summons in his lead wise men. He brings in his wise men, he brings in his, uh, his enchanters, he brings in all the various ones that are part of what's going on to help him try and connect what's happening. Because after all, these guys are supposed to have the connection with the spirit world. That makes sense to me, especially if you're a polytheist. So the wise men come and Nebuchadnezzar demands that they interpret the dream. Not only does he demand that they interpret the dream, but he demands that they tell him what the dream is. We talked about all this last week. Well, they're put in a bit of a predicament, aren't aren't they? So they declare in the text as we saw last week that no man can do this. Uh, No king has ever asked for a request like this before. Uh, Only the gods could do this. Oh, so teed up for God to show himself in all this whole situation. Oh, plus they said, it's difficult. That was one of my favorites. So Nebuchadnezzar is like, dudes, if you can't do this, then what would you do? I I know, let's kill you all. 
so that's what he says. So he sends Ariok out to gather all the wise men together and all these enchanters and all these magicians and all these astrologies to gather together. I don't think that what he was doing was he would go find one, kill one, find another, kill that one, but they're gathering them together and he's going to execute them all in one great big glorious moment or whatever that would be for him. Uh, so the Ariot goes out and he gathers them all. And oh, by the way, the, the, the wise men include the categories of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They're kind of the wise men in training, if you will, that are coming along. Well, Ariot comes to Daniel and uh, Daniel's like, hey, can we like pause for a moment and you like tell me what is the deal? What's going on here? What brought it to this point? And so he begins to tell him, and that leads to a meeting with the king. And uh, before the king, Daniel says, hey, king, can you give me a time, just a time to see if, if I can bring you the interpretation and what your dream was. So Daniel pauses and pursues the Lord, and he does so with his other buds, and he comes back with them, and they pray, and they seek for God's revelation for this situation. And the Lord answers their prayer. And before Daniel even goes back to Arioch, Daniel praises the Lord. Verses 20 through 23 of chapter 2. 21, he says, he changes times and season. Now look at this. He removes kings and sets up kings. That's what's happened before the therefore. We're now with the therefore. Therefore... Verse 24, Daniel went in to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He, Daniel, went and said thus to him, question, who connected with who? Did Daniel go to Arioch or did Arioch go to Daniel? Daniel went to Arioch. Okay, now prior, uh, Arioch was coming to get Daniel, but he was coming to get him to execute him. And now here he asks for a time, and then Daniel goes to see Arioch. It's important here, it'll show up. He went and he said to Arioch, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon, but bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. So very cool. Verse 25 Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king. How? In haste. <laughs> the word hurry. Uh, in other words, he doesn't just come and bring it for the king and it's like, okay, let's pack things up and we'll kind of take our time, stop at 7-Eleven or stop at the VP and McDonald's on the way, we'll take our time. No, no, no. You see, Arioch, this boy's thrilled. I mean, he is like fast on it. And by the way, I don't think it's because he's like, I'm so grateful because now we're going to save all the lives of these wise men and people. I don't think that's what's going on here. Oh, why do I say that? Let's keep on going. He does it in haste and he says to him, Ariad before the king, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. Okay, here's this guy, Ariad. He's out there with Daniel. Daniel comes. He goes and he comes back to him. And he says, hey, I'll take me for the king. I've got the drink. So here's Ariok. I just won the lotto. Just nobody else knows what's going on here. Nobody knows what's taking place. So king, king, I just want for you to know, I, I 
found this guy. Listen, Ariok knows fool. Listen, he's a polytheist. He's not a redeemed person in Christ. Listen, here's a fact. This is the way of the world. Why are we surprised when people who don't know Jesus Christ, don't follow Jesus Christ, why are we surprised when people are proud? Why are we surprised when people take advantage of us? Why are we surprised when people sin? I got to tell you, as time goes on, I'm just shocked by Christians who look at the world and go, can you believe that? I'm like, wait, are you kidding me? Here's the reality. If that's a response to the way the world is, you do not understand the reality of the total depravity of the heart. This is norm. Not norm, but this is normal. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Rewind. But this is the way of the world. And I just want to say, be aware. Just be aware. And we're going to see how Daniel responds to this. Because Daniel's there. He's like, that's an interesting interpretation of the process. I wonder how he's going to respond in all this. Oh, also remember this fact. Arioch was coming for the purpose of executing Daniel. He wasn't going out trying to find the answer. Uh, but again, this is the way of the world. And I also ask this, I pray this is not the way of you and I. We are about to see a massive contrast between how Arioch responds to the situation and how Daniel responds to the situation. I pray we are Daniel-like living people. Oh, let's keep on going. Verse 26. So the king said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, uh, that's his uh, Aramaic name, his Babylonian name, uh, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen in its interpretation? I really wish I knew the inflection behind this. I really do. You see, because there's this interesting tension with the king. The king has had this dream, and I think there's a portion of this that clearly behind us is a genuine desire to want to know. Seriously, you know? I, I, there's the reality of the situation at hand that's going on as well. That's basically, he's got all, a noose around all their necks. And it's kind of like, <laughs> don't play with me, boy. Don't play games. Don't try and save your hide and make something up because I'm telling you right here and now, I'll take you out now. Uh, he could easily do that. Uh, but the king is on the edge of his throne seat. Verse 27, look at Daniel. Daniel answered the king and said, King, no wise men, enchanters. Oh, by the way, Daniel was one of the classification of wise men. I think contained within these titles that he gives here, he's also laying himself out on the table. Uh, he's going to be very clear about that in just a second. But uh, uh, no wise men, no enchanters, no magicians, no astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. Verse 28, but, love that. Oh, but king, 
there is a God in heaven who reveals. Okay. Are you already seeing a contrast difference between the way Ariok is approaching this and the way Daniel is approaching this? Who is purposely being sought to be the center of attention of the situation? With Ariok, it's him. Daniel, it's his God. It already starts out, Daniel, this 20-ish year old young man, wording things in such a way he is bringing all of this to God. Oh, by the way, I love the fact there is a God in heaven. He's stating this to a polytheist. Uh, Now, he's stating that there is a singular God in heaven. There is a God in heaven, and I love this, who reveals. Daniel's deflecting the credit from himself to the Lord. And here, one of the major things he points out is that there is a God in heaven, and that God reveals. I mentioned a little bit about this last week, but I want to pause on this for a few. I want to ask you a question. How do you see God? Let me put it this way. Do you see God more as a, what I'll call, a town crier or a recluse um, eccentric? A town crier. Back in the day, uh, in the start of our country, when cities were around, they'd have a town crier, and the town crier would come in and cry out to the town. <laughs> That's the word. And uh, he would come in, and he would have information. And he would gather the town together, whoever could, and he would come in and, Hear ye, hear ye! He was King James. So... Hear ye, hear ye, and he would dispense this information for the people to be able to know. God reveals. Uh, Do you see God that way as someone who's like, hear ye, uh, I'm information out on the table. Or as this eccentric recluse where it's like back in the forest behind this big scary or big giant gate that, you know, something's in there and spooky and, and it's, or like, kind of like Willy Wonka. You, you know, it's like there's something really awesome back there, but nobody knows about it. And in fact, the last person I heard that knew something about it, they got their tongue pulled out. I don't know. Is that the way that you see God? I want to let you know in this, God reveals. Think of this for a moment. Think of the questions of all time. How did life begin? God's revealed. We could save millions and quabillions of dollars if people would just go to Genesis 1, 2, and 3. God's revealed how it's all gotten started. What is the purpose of life? Now, there's a big question, and God's given the big revealed answer. He's created us to worship Him, to bring Him glory. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, all you do, do all to the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. And the text goes on. God's revealed that. Is there life after death? 
And what is that like? Is there? God's revealed that. God reveals. And the answer to that is yes. And I'm right now reading Randy Alcorn's book on heaven. Oh, and he tells us so much about it. Uh, How can I know where I'll spend that eternity? That's revealed. And this is a testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe, believe not being like, I know there's a God out there, like I kind of know that there's a, a, Barney's not a real person. Um, I write these things to you, believe in the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. 1 John 5, 11 through 13. Can a person change? Or is a person, I'll term it today, is a person DNA doomed? Uh, Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Ephesians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 2. And the text goes on and on and on. People can grow and change because of God and the work of the Spirit and His Word. Where is human history going? Been revealed. Revealed. It's all revealed. Hey, friends, God reveals is there a god what is he like does he care he reveals Uh, may you leave today knowing that god reveals therefore because god is a revealer of himself and life and is not holding everything all and away from you and i making it really hard to get to know him if you seek me you will find me being that we know that here's the point therefore go vertical Be a vertical going person. Because God reveals, go vertical. Take life to the vertical. Verse 27, that's what Daniel's doing the whole way. He's laying his whole conversation out where he's saying, listen, king, you are right. There's no man. No way is there a man that can do that. But I do want to let you know, there is a God in heaven who reveals. He's pointing this out. In fact, let's keep reading the text, verse 28. Uh, But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be the latter days. So is the dream about the past days, the present days, or the future days? It's about the future days. So this is about a prophetic dream. Oh, by the way, isn't this really cool? God gives a polytheist, uh, if you will, a pagan, unredeemed person, this future dream. May I just remind you, God can do whatever God wants to do in revealing himself. You have to take into account that his people, the, the, the Israelites, they're exiled all over the place. There is no more temple at this time. So who does God, how is God going to reveal more about himself? They're all exiled in judgment, loving judgment, He goes to the king. He goes to the epicenter. He can use anyone, anywhere, anytime. All to his sovereign purposes. And so God here is using Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, God just knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, In the latter days, your dream and the vision of your head as you lay in bed, sounds like a fairy tale, doesn't it? Are these, verse 29, to you, O king, as you lay in bed, came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is, it's like Daniel cannot say enough times, King, I want to make sure again that you realize this is about he who reveals mysteries. You see, Arioch, again, is like me, me, me. Daniel's like him, him, 
It's all about him. He's taken the whole situation vertical. But as for me, verse 30, this mystery has been revealed to me. Isn't that interesting, though? God uses his children to reveal the meaning behind the whole thing. We don't have time to go there. Not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known, God reveals to the king, and that you may know God reveals the thoughts in your mind. This is just such a vertical example for us. Daniel took the beginning of the adversity vertical. He goes, he gets Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they all go and they pray, and they seek the Lord's answers. He takes the whole adversity vertical. Daniel, the whole time, this wasn't an adversity, this was an opportunity. And from the very beginning, he takes it vertical. And then after he gets the revelation from God, God's answers for the situation, he takes that vertical right away, and he praises God in verses 20 to 23. And now here we find it, he's before the king, and I'll say this, he's in a public reality setting, and he takes it vertical again. Daniel was all about the vertical. Daniel was all about the source. He was all about God. I just want to pause and ask you, are you taking life adversities vertical? Uh, Are you taking life's opportunities vertical? If I were to, and I won't, but if I were to ask you to come up here and have you tell about this past week and the things in your life that you sought to take vertical, how long would the conversation go? How long would it go? I ask myself the same question. Man, we can get into where we're just functioning life, doing life, moving life, and God is there, but frankly, God is there in the shadow of it all. And as we talked about last week, instead, pause. Every moment is an opportunity to give glory and worship to the Lord. That's why he created us. Is this moment a vertical moment? I just want to say, if this last week you look back and you go, there was an increasing number of vertical moments, praise the Lord, and here's what you do right now. Take that vertical. Right now, I'm serious. Right now, and just in your heart, in your heart, just thank God for the increasing moments of this past week of you having paused to pursue to praise the Lord. And if you look back at this last week and, you, and you're just going, Doug, I, I really, please don't call me up because there were hardly like, it was a desert of vertical. It was a horizontal week. I just want to right now, would you just confess that to the Lord right now and get it right and drive a stake in the ground. This week, this is going to be a go vertical week. And I don't know what you maybe need to do. Get some post-it notes and just put go vertical on it and post them around. Put GV on it. I don't care. People ask you, what's go vertical? I'd love to tell you what's about vertical. I'm trying to take all of life in a vertical sense because God is involved in all of life. And we're going through this Daniel thing, and he was doing that, and I'm learning. I've got to get better at that. There's a vertical moment. 
not only in private, in the heart, and the recesses of my thinking, but even in the public reality of it all. Therefore, take it vertical, friends, and let's help each other. That's what I'm trying to do right now. I want to help you and challenge you, encourage you along. Don't be like Arioch. Look at my talent. Look at my skill. Look at my comfort. It's all about my intellect, my spirituality, my family, my kids, my positions. What, what's your idol? Let's be more like Daniel and the revealer. He's the one. Verse 31. Now you saw, O king... He's beginning to tell him the dream. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar said you need to tell what the dream was. Here he goes. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image, the image mighty and of exceeding brightness stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was a fine gold. Can you imagine Nebuchadnezzar right at this moment? You. This is a miracle moment. And the polytheist Nebuchadnezzar is being made, let me put it this way, is being shown how big this God of heaven who reveals mysteries is. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image, this image mighty and of exceeding brightness stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. And as you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. This was the dream, Nebuchadnezzar. Now, we will tell the king its interpretation. Something's really odd right there. We? We who? I just want to tell you, I think packed within that word is one more vertical moment. I don't know if Daniel's referring to the we as being Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. 
because them had, they together had come before the Lord seeking this out. And you know that the other three are behind praying with what's going on at this moment. I don't know if it's referring to that or if the we is the going vertical reality and referring to uh, God revealing through me, we. <laughs> Very cool. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. Now all of you prophecy people, I am about to greatly disappoint you. You see, because generally, if you're not too familiar with the Bible, this is a passage where we usually get to where all of a sudden it's like people are like, oh, so cool. This, this image is talking about the future and the kingdoms of the future. And we're going to go through and lay out and all this kind of stuff. I just want to let you know I'm not going there. I don't mean that that's wrong. Not at all. But I do want to let you know that our conversation from here till we finish is centered around this. It's not, or it's not centered around the idea of Daniel chapter 2 plus Daniel chapter 5 plus Daniel chapter 7 and following, plus the continuing Old Testament writers after this, plus the, the New Testament, including Revelation, plus a 2010 view and looking back on all of this stuff. Because here's one of the things that gets lost when we do that, and we will do that one day. We will do that. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But I want to let you know this. One of the things that gets lost when doing that is at the time, the simple, central message of the dream for Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel. And the simple, central message of this, can you imagine? He, he didn't know that, uh, he will know about uh, that he's the gold head. We'll read here in just a minute. He didn't know about Media Persia. He didn't know about Greece. He didn't know about Rome that's yet to come. He didn't even know about Jesus Christ. He just knew this. There was this awesome statue of kingdoms, kingdoms of man, that eventually a divine rock came and hit the feet and blew at the smithereens and it all blew away. And then that kingdom, it came and took over the earth. That's all he knew. All of history is known by God. Therefore, how does that impact you and I? God knows exactly what's going to come. He's got it all in control. He's not nervous about it. He's not shaken. He's not scared because whatever. God's got the whole thing. He sees all that's taking place. He knows exactly what's going to happen over time, and it's all in his hands. He's the source. He's the God. He's the creator. He's the one moving all things. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, how does that impact you? That when you look here, as we'll go through the dream, when you look here and you realize that your gold head is going to fall and blow away like chaff. So what are you going to do? In other words, this way. What kingdom are you and I about living for? Because I'm just going to tell you, the kingdom of man and everything of the kingdom in man, it's all going to be... <sighs> this last week, I asked the question, how much has gone vertical this last week? Let me now ask this question. How much of this last week is just going to all... <sighs> And what's going to remain? Uh-oh, let's keep reading. God reveals, therefore, I know the plan. I know the plan. 
Here it is, verse 37. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom. This dude cannot stop going vertical. Uh, You, O king, the king of kings, earthly kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory. (laughs) This guy's got some serious guttage. Because there he is before Nebuchadnezzar. He owns it all, humanly speaking. And he's telling him, God gave that to you. This is an opportunity. I I think Nebuchadnezzar's mouth is still so on the floor that he's just like, Daniel is taking this as vertical, capital V, capital E. You know the rest of it. Uh, God, the heaven has given you the power and the might and the glory. Verse 38, and to whose hand he has given wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, making you rule over them all. I got to tell you, this sure sounds like Adam and Eve and some conversation back in the early. God's given him rulership. It's just a fact. And here he is at the end of verse 38. You are the head of gold. Now, there's an encouragement. I'm the head. And I'm gold. You are the head of gold, verse 39. That's all he says. That's all he says. Another kingdom inferior to you shall rise after you. That's all it says about that. Uh, That next one, by the way, the chest is silver. You go from gold to silver. Inferior strength. Inferior worth to the one prior. Another kingdom inferior to you shall rise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze which shall rule over all the earth. The breadth of that one will be all over, yet still inferior. Verse 40, and there shall be a fourth kingdom strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things, and like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw the feet, the toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom But some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet are partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. And as you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage. That tells you some interesting things about it. By the way, you notice the iron, the legs and the feet have the most discussion about them. Uh, But they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. Verse 44, and in the days of those kings... Oh, those kings. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end. And it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, Hand, and that it broke in pieces, the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation sure. I am just so blown away by the fact that God knows exactly where everything's going. We come in here week out, week in and week out together as a group worshiping the Lord and together and he's got it all in control. We're coming up to an election. Vote. 
to vote. This is not the kind of text where you stand back and you say, well, God's got it all in control, so let's just sit back and watch reruns of the Colts game. No. Because we're going to see in the coming weeks, Daniel is completely engaged in his culture and in his society. In fact, he's helping his culture and his society, the pagan culture and society. And yet he knows all through this that there is a God who's in control of it all. He's living to honor the Lord. He's living to take all of life vertical. He knows the plan. And I'll just last point. And God reveals, therefore, I fall down. Look look at verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face. We'll read the rest of it here in just a moment. But but I just want to note this. Do you just see what comes out of the impact of understanding all that's just taking place? This boy is laid flat, face to the ground, and he is king, dictator of the world. Does the fact that God reveals that God is the source, does that fact floor you? I mean, does it utterly just floor you to the place to where you live differently because of it? Or is it just nice, warm and cuddly information that I just love having that God loves me and I'm going to the eternal kingdom. Listen, this should floor us. Because out of all of this fact, this means something. This should change all of our life, how we view life. There are no adversities. Did you hear that? There are no adversities. They are all opportunities. All are opportunities to give God glory and worship and honor and praise. Because even if I'm strapped in a cage for the rest of my life up in Nome, Alaska or something, till I die, this is a minuscule period of time in light of eternity. If someone is a martyr for Christ and dies, they've got all of eternity. If you're living in a hard situation with your spouse, with your children, with a neighbor, last time our neighbors across the way were up till midnight partying out in the backyard. I'm going to church ready to preach. That was an adversity. (laughs) Not in my notes. Let's think about it. A God who reveals and is in control means that all of life is an opportunity. All of it can go vertical. Take it vertical. Because I know the plan. The plan impacts how I live the dot today. The line impacts the dot of life. Because in all reality, the dot of life today, it's nothing in compared to the eternal reality of it all. Uh, This should give us hope, credible hope. Now as I wrap it, 
commentator said, there will come a day when all our little triumphs and glories will lie in the dust. All our little triumphs and all our Arioch-like little glories will lie in dust. And we will stand before the great creator to give an account. When that day comes, what will count will not be our standing in the statue, but standing on the rock. Let's be vertical, people. This week, will you drive the stake in the ground here before you leave this morning? This week, God, I'm committing to seek to make this week a vertical for you week. In small group. When you get together, let your, when you do breakout, let them know. This week, I'm, I'm committing. I'm seeking to make this an increased vertical week for the Lord. Because God's got the plan, and it gives me hope for the now. And I'm going to work on being someone that falls down. King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face, paid homage to Daniel. <laughs> He's learning not. He paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. For you've been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. Hey, all of that is going to start showing itself in next week and following. I just want for you to know, Nebuchadnezzar was awed, but Nebuchadnezzar does not repent. See, God is still God of gods. He's not the God of all. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much just for the goodness of who you are, for your love for us, your patience with us. I thank you that you are the revealer. You are the one who proclaims who you are, lets us know who you are, informs us of who you are. In fact, you've written down who you are. I pray that we would be people that are so energized by the fact that you are a God who reveals yourself that it drives us to your word. My goodness, I want to know this God that is revealed himself. I pray that we'd be a people growing in that. And Lord, I pray that that would be taken to the vertical all of life this week when the kids are just, just pushing my button, that I would pause and seek to take this opportunity and take it vertical. That when my spouse is just pushing my buttons, when my roommate, when my friends, when my coworkers, when the guy driving in the car in front of me, God, that we would take that moment and take it vertical. All of life is for you. May we not be Arioch-like, 
But may we be the ones who point all things to you, for you, because it's all about you. And God, I pray we would not be people that build ourselves on the stuff of this world because it's all going to blow away. But the things that we invest in you at work, at home, in the car, at church, everywhere. What hope? Those will last forever. May we be people that fall down. In your name.